This is CliffCentral.com. Thank you so much to Gareth and the gang back again, 6 to 9 uh, tomorrow. Sanbanan Nonke, welcome to the show. It's the Konza Show. Hey, every Wednesday we do this. Uh, as you know, we've been running a series uh, on white privilege. Uh, last week we started on what is white privilege. Today we continue uh, with why is white privilege a problem. In the studio, Eusebius McKaiser, the man. We have uh, Ernst Roots, Afri Forum, and we have one of our followers, Twitter. Twitter followers, we're doing this, this approach the mic thing. Uh, where we get uh, the people who are listening to the show to be part of the show. Christy Hansen, she's got some views on white privilege and she wanted to share them with us in studio. Sanbonan. Eta. Thank you. Shapuzit. I'm fine, man. I'm, I just, when I see your face, I get so excited. Ah, you know. Because I know what's coming, you know. Bringing joy to a white man so early in the morning. I would have never thought. That's your role, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just to just to bring everyone into into the conversation here, this is what happened last week. This time, have a listen. We have got a show today. Wow, we're doing a, we're doing a series on a white whole privilege. Series, four shows. So all those Twitter people who just are over white privilege, then the next month is a writer <laughs> for you. You can forget about it. You don't have to tune in. So so Andrew, we did this whole questionnaire, right? On this white privilege questionnaire. Which is a, a list of questions that we, that we, we, we asked a number of people to ask themselves. And then from there we will figure out how far along the, this privilege line you are. White people can be more privileged or less privileged in their whiteness. First of all, so what? So I'm white and I have privilege. The white um, South Africans in particular respond to white privilege. Is they have three major responses. They deny, diminish or deflect. I can achieve or excel without being called a credit to my race. Do you believe that you are a beneficiary of privilege on the basis of the color of your skin? Yes or no? Probably. Do you not have white privilege? I probably do. Probably? Probably. What do you mean probably? It's not something So I, you're in I doubt. You, you, so you're saying you're in doubt. You might have it, you might not. You're not sure. It's not something I question, so maybe that is a form of privilege. What they're wanting to hold on to is not wealth. They're wanting to hold on to their monopoly on opportunity. Why, why is this a problem? Yeah, fine, that's, that's the way the world is. That kind of narrative is probably reflective of a lack of an appreciation of the system that keeps him cushioned from a number of issues. I can take a job with an employer who believes in affirmative action without people thinking I got my job because of my race. So the chances of a black person getting hired into a company should be four times greater than those of a white person. And yet you've got companies that are just teeming with white people. How does that happen just by accident? It, it, it just it, it baffles, it boggles the mind. If it does exist and we accept that it exists... So, but do you accept that it exists? Romans deflecting. To some degree, yes. So blacks can immigrate. They can immigrate to Africa. So don't turn around and say that white can immigrate and blacks can't. Uh, what do you mean black people can immigrate to Africa and you can't? Are you guys just uh, apologizing for being white? No, the, no. The argument is not whether I No, have it, it is because we set, we, set the, we set the show up and that's the argument. So what do you mean the <laughs> argument is not that? This is our show. What does... And this guy, with this guy walks privilege. in here and he says it's not the argument. Okay, can, can I ask, what do you lose by saying I have it? 
by saying I have white privilege. Yeah. Or no. do do you lose anything? Yeah. No, not at all. What I'm just saying. So why are you holding on to that denial so strongly? I'm not denying I have it or don't have it. Okay, answered. So this is a series. Look out for next week. We answer your questions on white privilege. White privilege. So what? That's the question today. Uh, a, a continuation of our series on white privilege. You can hear the beautiful Pretoria music <laughs> in the background. Thank you very much, Andrew Levy. So we had this big conversation last week on white privilege. Right. It's only fair that we now continue and we ask ourselves, as, as, as Jordan last white, week asked, um, so I've got white privilege. So what? What does that mean and, and what difference does it make? If you remember, we did this questionnaire last week uh, where we asked a series of 20 questions and we asked everybody to rate themselves according to it. Um, and what we found, for example, was Gareth Cliff uh, got a score, a privilege score of 17. Um, and then everybody else in the studio, they were all white, uh, had scores of around 17, 18. Yep. Myself, I had a score of 6. Mabale Moloi, who has, who, who had also done this, she got a score of five. A friend of mine who actually, um, lives a decent life, right? She just sent me a text and she said, Oh my goodness, I got a score of two. <laughs> what does that mean? So, so the fact that I score five, you know, I score two and, and, and Andrew scores 18, what does that mean? And that's what we want to look at today. Christy, hmm. does it matter that I got five and, uh, Andrew got <coughs> 18? Well, I think there's no denying that uh, when, I mean, my education, my whole upbringing equipped me better, perhaps, to compete in perhaps. a global equ- No, no, I'm absolutely on your side, let me tell you. No, 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 you don't need to be on my side. <laughs> I just want to understand. You no, said, you I said agree. perhaps. I know you want me to like, um, deny and whatever, but it's not going to happen because it is true. I, come in, I came uh, sort of into the job market with, um, international passports, international education, um, many languages, um, and uh, just better equipped. So, you know, any of our local uh, black people who are going to compete with me are going to have to really uh, uh, run fast or hard or try really, really hard to compete with me. I know mm. I'm, I have an advantage. Mm. So, so white privilege exists, you believe? No doubt about it. Oh, thank you. So, Ernst, she says white privilege exists. Is this is this even is this even true? I'm I'm, I'm like shaking my head. Does this really exist? <laughs> well, I, I think the question, in my view, is is a bit flawed because it it leads to to the wrong conclusion about what should be done about the problem. Um, I can say that I am privileged on many issues. I believe that I'm privileged because I grew up in. A, uh, with parents who loved me, who gave me support but with everything I did. Are you specifically privileged on the basis of the color of your skin? I, th- I think there are certain aspects in which I am privileged because of the color of my skin, but I also believe that there are certain aspects in which I am disadvantaged, uh, or in which I am subjected to discrimination because of the color of Does my skin. Does that negate the privileges that you've got on the basis of the color of your skin? No, it doesn't. But then also me saying that I have some sort of a privilege does not negate the fact that black people also have privilege based on the color of their skin, but it's a different type of privilege. Awesome. Eusebius, um, you b- came up this book, Run Racist Run, launched yesterday, sold out immediately, mostly bought by black people, as you say. Yeah, You seem to cool. have struck a chord. Uh, is, this, is this because this thing that we're talking about is actually a thing? White privilege does exist, totally, and um, 
I don't know why Aaron is being sheepish about acknowledging it. <laughs> you don't have to say it exists, but we need to talk about the bits that come before the but in that sentence because it's a huge deal in our country that people benefit on the basis of their skin color if they are white. So if you can't short circuit the conversation by saying, Oh, your question is flawed. I want to talk about how we address it. Or let me tell you how, you know, I'm not advantaged if I speak Afrikaans and I go to an English university. You're changing the subject. It's a huge subject to talk about what is white privilege, what is the nature of white privilege, how does it operate, and you can't short-circuit that by saying, oh, you know what, like, a dude is black and politically connected to a famous family, he also gets privilege. When you do that, you don't take seriously the first part of your concession. It's like me saying, yeah, I've got male privilege, but you know what, as a colored guy, I also get disadvantaged. No, you don't understand male privilege if you want to rush the conversation by dropping in the other respects in which you are not privileged. Aaron's. Are you rushing the conversation? The conversation is about white privilege. Why do you want to speak about black privilege and all other privileges no, if, except white privilege? If, if the conversation is about white privilege, then I can talk about white privilege. Mm. But the point that I'm making, and I think that Eusebius is not, not acknowledging, is that a solution to the problem of white privilege is not going to solve the country's problems. I think the, the issue or the problem of white privilege is, is very small, a small problem in comparison to other problems that we have in this country. So solving the white privilege question is, is not going to put the country necessarily on a better path. And I, I don't think that's true. I mean, you, you are downplaying the magnitude of the problem. If you take corporate South Africa, for example, um, experiences of black people just around the corner here in Santon in the financial heartland of the continent, their experiences are structured in such a manner that the assumptions about their competence on the basis of skin color can affect whether or not they do well in terms of climbing the corporate ladder. So when you say it's a small problem, that's a lie, Errands. We can unpack what it means for the problem to be big. If I walk into a class as a philosophy lecturer, many people will think, oh gosh, here comes the affirmative action appointee, and I will then have to be particularly eloquent, more than you would have to be, in order for my students, black and white, by the way, to respect me intellectually and academically as a philosophy lecturer. When you walk into a class as a lecturer, Aaron's, the assumption is that you are competent until you prove yourself otherwise. If you and I both try and get into a restaurant in Camps Bay, you are more likely not to be doubted that you are a patron who can actually be there. If you and I go to look at a house in Santon, you will probably be assumed to be more likely to be a guy worth selling the house to or giving a lease to. So when you say it's a small problem, I don't think you've lived in the headspace of black people for whom it's a big problem and I don't think you are reflecting on the unconscious ways in which your skin color actually advantages you in myriad ways in a day-to-day -day, um, basis and part of your privilege is that you don't have to think about it let's I just want to pause there because that is a that's a great point uh, you see this that you've made it which is part of the privilege is that we don't need to think about it Christy you've uh, you've been you've been told or we've been told that you have some pretty strong views about white privilege what is your problem with white privilege what's the problem with the definition of it what's the problem with with us talking about it no i don't have a problem i think when i was first invited to come on here i was like okay so i have to come in there's the white chick and defend the white people and like stand up for my race and I went into the debates, like a scientific debates about IQ and intelligence and genetics and why certain races might have certain advantages based on um, genetics as well as history. But diving into that, uh, that rabbit hole, if you will, online, I started to change my mind. 
And I have to say that I have, well, I, I, I basically approach it as you would as a debater. You can approach it in one, you have to be able to defend one side or the other. And you have to pick a side. And first I was picking the white side, but then I, I changed. I thought the more difficult thing for me to do would be to try to get into the headspace of a black girl or a black person and try to understand where, where they're coming from. And uh, so I've done a full 180 degrees, and now that I've started to look and try to understand it, I do see it. I do see where it plays out. It plays out everywhere. As you said, it plays out in restaurants. It plays out in pick and pay. One of my colleagues was saying she gets pissed off with white people. She'll lash out at a white person because the checkers checkout lady who is black treated the white lady with respect and didn't treat her with respect. So it's not even the white lady's fault. She's just like going about her day. But she will get um, she will get the brunt of it because the the my colleague was treated with disrespect by a black checkout counterperson, which I'll never have to confront. Most people treat me re- with respect. Mm. Um, it might be because um, English, uh, pretty. I don't know. I get respect everywhere I go. Generally, Adams, I want to bring you in here because. You know, while you were speaking and then Eusebius had his say, I wanted to ask you something. Are we not a country of, are we not two countries in one? Are we not a tale of two countries where, where there's one set of living and then there's another? Um, and in that one set of living, there is one set of circumstances. And in the other set, there's a completely separate set. Now, you saying that white privilege is not a big problem, isn't that negating the fact that we are never going to become one country if we continue to say that we are on this side of the fence and they are on that side of the fence? Um, I think South Africa is not just one country. I think South Africa is several countries in one. And I think... Um, what Eusebius has done is, in, instead of responding to some of the points that I made, he, he, you know, he plays the man in and not the ball, and he has this very materialistic um, uh, point of view in in his argument. Um, if we, and the reason why I'm saying the whiteness is not not this, this uh, the solution to whiteness is not the solution to the problem is, white people are about eight percent of this country. So if we go overkill or we, you know, we, we exaggerate in our response to solve the whiteness issue and we say, for example, you know what, let's take every single white person out of university. Let's take every single white person out of the labor market. Let's replace all the white people everywhere with black people. Then the majority but, uh, of black Aaron's, people Aaron's, will still Aaron's. be. I'm not saying who, that's who what you're saying. That, no, no, not just me. Which person in this country who talks and writes no. about white privilege has ever said we need to get rid of white you're people? You're being disrespectful. I, mean, I didn't interrupt you. I'm. I, I'm. Okay, this go, is. Go, go, I, finish, finish, Aaron. I didn't interrupt you. Finish, Aaron. No, I'm not. This is hypothetical. I'm not saying anyone has ever said that. But if we do that then the great majority of black people will still be unemployed. The great majority of black people will still not have proper education, will still not have access to education. The problem is education. The problem is that we have 80% of our schools in this country who are dysfunctional, that are dysfunctional, and yes, the great majority of them are the black schools in, in the black areas. Uh, the white schools generally are better schools. That's why white people generally have better education. But now looking at the, at the end result saying, oh, white people get more access to the labor market, that's the problem, white people are the problem, uh, instead of saying uh, the problem is that black people don't get proper education in this country, that's the solution to the problem, not simply coming out at the Aaron's, end. Aaron, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that black and white are equal? No. Do you believe they're born equal? Yes. When do we stop being equal? 
in the way that we are treated by legislation. At which point? So at the point that we're born or is that later on in life where we start being unequal, do you think? Well, it depends. It de- I think there's different... The Inequality can be measured in different ways. But generally I can say speaking, what would your sense be? So we're born equal. So day one, we're born equal. And then somewhere along the line, we become unequal. Look, where, where, does that, where, where does that separation happen, do you think? It's hard for me to answer when you, when you, when you put the question like that, mm. because then I have to generalize. Mm. Uh, I can't say, you can say, you know, generally speaking or mostly speaking, yes. uh, white people are t- tend to be born into families that are more wealthy than black people. Um, so in that way, you can say that there's inequality already at birth. Yes. But in another sense, you can say when you want to go to university and uh, there's this university policy saying, uh, you know, black people that don't comply with the minimum requirements, there's not enough black people in the faculty, so we need to put them in. Uh, and white people who do comply with the requirements, we need to kick them out or reject them. We actually had a member of ours who was admitted to study medicine, and then she received a letter from the university later saying, uh, listen, we apologize. We didn't know you were white, so we admitted you to study at this university, but now we realize that you are actually uh, we thought you were colored, but now we realize that you are white, so we're going to have to reject you. Sorry for the mistake. So let's let's go back to at that point when she was applying to university. Had she lost the privilege that she gained immediately on birth? Just repeat the question. At the point at when the what? point when she applied for university, had she lost the privilege that she gained immediately at birth? The privilege what that privilege? she did not. You said so. You said that generally speaking. No, At but birth, the white person is more privileged than the black person. But are you Generally talking about speaking? are you talking about social privilege or economic privilege or political privilege? Whichever one you choose. No, she lost political privilege already at birth. In which way? Because she's a white person. I mean, that's absolute rubbish. I'm going to interrupt you here. That's nonsense. No, no, no. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's been speaking for the last five minutes here, pretending that um, I'm I'm being rude by not listening to him. Firstly. The idea that legislation is the problem in the country is just absolute rubbish. I mean, not only is it rubbish, it's incoherent. What does it mean for a law to discriminate? People discriminate, institutions discriminate. So the idea that legislation is responsible for black people having certain kinds of experiences is is nonsense. Black people's experiences in terms of being the ones who are the victims of unearned privileges that white people enjoy, that is perpetuated by HR executives in corporates. That is perpetuated by people looking at your application for school. That is perpetuated uh, in our universities. It's real human beings, mostly white, who actually uh, enable that environment that he's talking about. So when Aaron says legislation is the problem, I don't actually even know what that means. But the other point, just very quickly, is that, you know, if you truly get how any unearned privilege works, and in my book, Run Races Run, I use sexism as a sustained analogy. You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't say, I acknowledge that unearned privilege exists, but I'm not a beneficiary. Mm. By definition, you both, be, both right? conceptually and experientially, I can only acknowledge and take seriously my own acknowledgement that unearned privilege on the basis of my penis exists in a misogynist world if I'm prepared to recognize that someone being a victim of misogyny means that there's a beneficiary. Mm. It's impossible for someone to be a victim of misogyny unless someone else benefits because they are logically two sides of the same coin. Now, similarly, if Aaron's is going to say, I acknowledge that perhaps in some institutions, black people are victims of, um, you know, all sorts of policing of their skin and, and the examples that uh, the other person gave. That means that white people are benefiting. 
You can't acknowledge that black people are sometimes victims of uh, all sorts of assumptions about their skin color, but pretend that you don't have unearned privilege. Unearned privilege automatically comes over you as a white person as soon as a black person is discriminated against. Discrimination can't happen unless there's someone who benefits from it. Okay, just to bring everyone in here, we are speaking on Cliff Central, the Konza Show, 20 past nine. It is heated. It is our series on white privilege. Uh, see episode two. We're talking about why white privilege is a problem. If you, if you missed the last uh, show, check out what is white privilege. We're not speaking about, we know that it exists. Why is it a problem? We've got Anne's Rust in here. We've got um, Eusebius McKaiser and we've got Christy Hansen, one of our uh, followers on uh, Twitter who's done an entire 180. You're dying to speak. Tell us, what do you want to say? Okay, no, I just think there's, there's two types of privilege. There's the black privilege, which is a reaction to white privilege. And b- black privilege is benefiting a handful of people. But the greater problem is, okay, you can call it white problem, but a uh, white privilege, but I'd prefer to call it apartheid mentality. And it's apartheid mentality. All of us suffer from it. So all of us are carrying in our brains these toxic thought patterns that we have adopted from our parents and our grandparents. So the whole nation's brains are poisoned. And, and that's why you'll see that the lady at Checkers will abuse her own race. And you'll see that white people get unnecessary respect uh, that they haven't earned. And you'll see that, uh, like, I will suspect every black man as to be a racist. You know, I think that every black chick is inherently dumb. That's how it plays out in my head. So I think the project legislation is only going to help that tiny... I mean, they say the black middle class has doubled and the white unemployment has doubled. So you've sort of seen a one-to-one swap, but it's still only like a handful of people that have benefited. The whole country is still... Um, got that slave master apartheid mentality and until we address that this legislation stuff is not actually going to do anything but exacerbate the divides that and, and I see that we're getting even more divided because of there's more reason to hate each other but let, so let, the project mm, can I just mm, finish mm. the project is an internal one mm. it's each of us has to go and filter our thoughts we have to go through every single thought process and interrogate it and say, why do we think like this? Is this really what I think? Or am I thinking this because this is what my parents thought? Or this is how I've been brought up to think? And only then will we transform and evolve into like a new South African breed Hmm. that is free from Let me just ask you, so once we have gone through that uh, 180 degree process that you've gone through, then what? Well, then you can start to... we go back into our privilege and just uh, move on? No, but then you can start to have honest conversations and start to understand people. You don't step into a defensive position or, or scurry back into your uh, respective hidey holes. Mm. But we need to have these debates and go, okay, I'm starting to get it. Okay, I've got a colleague who seems to have like a massive chip on her shoulder. She's a peer. I mean, she's right up there. She probably makes more money than me, but she carries a massive chip. And before I'd be like, she's just such a bitter, bit, bitter person. You know what I mean? I don't like her. She's so mean and nasty. I don't understand why she has to be so mean and nasty. But what I'm trying to do now, and I'm not saying I'm a saint, but I think this is part of the process, is to look at that chip. Ask her, what is this chip? Like, why why are you so bitter? What? Try to understand her. And I think when she feels understood, and when I start to understand, then then we are starting to come closer. Ernst, does, does Eusebius have a chip on his shoulder? Is this? A, let's try and understand Eusebius. I think... <coughs> To be fair to Eusebius, I think Eusebius has Just a chip on his shoulder. Just come a little closer to the mic. Come a little closer I think Eusebius does have a chip on his shoulder, but I think I also, I think everyone has a chip on his shoulder, uh, or her shoulder. 
Um, I do think I differ slightly I must from. I tell you, his shoulders are big enough for all of us to have a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> Stop romancing here in studio, for heaven's sake. Adam, I love you too. Continue, Sorry. continue. No, um, no, I disagree about the the legislation issue. Um, we have, for example, we have the Employment Equity Act and the Black Empowerment Act, and we have the Promotion of Equality Act, and all of that. And what is very strange about the way South Africa is trying to solve the equality problem, and I agree there's a problem, and I started uh, right at the beginning by acknowledging that I do have certain privileges, um, so I'm not denying that, but but I think the problem is what are we doing to solve the problem? Uh, in the first place, the problem is education, as I said already, but secondly, uh, South Africa is the only country in the world that tries to, to resolve the equality problem by means of representativity. Representativity is a, is a common u- word in South Africa, but it's not even acknowledged as a word in the English language. Um, representativity saying, you know, we will be equal. To give you an example, the Constitution says we must have legislation that ensures that everyone becomes equal or that, that we achieve equality. I think it's section 9.2. Uh, 9.2. And then we have the Equality Act. So the Constitution says the goal is equality. The Equality Act says, uh, or the Employment Equity Act rather says, we must implement equality so that we can achieve representativity. So the goal isn't equality anymore. The goal is representativity. And I don't think that there's a logical connection between saying if every single sphere of society, 90% are black and only 8% are white, then so all of a sudden everyone is equal. I don't, I don't think I think it's flawed. I just want to ask you something because I I, I hear where you see this is coming from. Where you you what uh, what uh, Dr. Warren Chelskin uh, spoke about last week, talking about deflecting, diminishing, or denying our white privilege. I feel like you're doing that at the moment. Let's talk a little bit about your privilege, just your privilege specifically. I don't want you to give examples of the Constitution. I want to talk about you. How has your life worsened since democracy? Has it worsened? Your well, life. It's, it's hard for me to, to answer because uh, I, th- Try. I, was, I was in kindergarten when, in 1994. Right. So I can't really make a comparison between, between um, you know, what was it like before 94 and how, what was it like after 94. Let me rephrase then because I agree. You're a young man, which is good. Has your life been in any way complicated by the black privilege, by the equality acts that you're talking about in any way? Yes. Has your privilege changed? Yes, I believe it does. You've had to downgrade your house. You've had to change jobs. You, you haven't got no, a job. No. As, as an activist, uh, a student activist, I was regularly involved with cases where um, students were severely, white students no, were but hold severely. On, hold on. I hear you. Okay. You want a personal example? I want you to tell me about your white privilege and whether you feel that this has now been changed and that you are now being unjustly a quarter okay. to. If you want materialistic example, do you want materialistic examples or do you want examples? Psychological in examples, anything okay. you've got. I believe when um, when the state president says in parliament, uh, and I quote, he says, "We have more rights because we are the majority. You have less rights because you are the minority." Absolutely, that is how democracy works. Um, I believe simply by hearing that statement, I believe it's a violation of my human dignity. I felt violated by him saying that. I I felt. Extremely violated when um, the minister Lulu Zingwana went on international TV and said the problem with white men in this country, in South Africa, is their religion and they believe they can murder white women at will. Um, I felt violated by that. So let me ask you this. If that was your daily experience by not just the president 
who we know. I mean, if I asked you, Seabus, the question about is the president questionable, he's going to give me a good mm. answer. And it's probably going to be the same as your answer. But if you got that day-to-day interaction in and out from the minute you left your house to the minute you came home, wouldn't that be a huge, huge problem? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a massive no, problem? That is the whole point of black and white and white privilege and the, the idea of what a black person has to go through every single day. That is the struggle that they feel. And I'm trying to get to, if you understand that struggle, if you can actually in your mind go, wow, I wonder if that's true. I wonder what that must feel like when I start my day to when I end my day mm-hmm. to get that feeling that you just got. And I felt you there. You were upset. You were angry because you were being told that you're less of a person. And that's what's happening every single day in South Africa. Surely the solution is not to start disrespecting white people and respecting black people. You know, like to turn the tables full 180 degrees so now white people must struggle. Um, Because you're born into a time and place. We're not guilty so much as just unlucky. We were born into a context where society told us this is how you must think. This is what uh, it means to be white in, and black in society today. So now must white people uh, suddenly go through that pain that black people experience and be disrespected and beaten down when all of us were just accidentally born into this? I think so. I'd like to disagree with, with this notion and, and perhaps with something that Aaron has said. I, I, I tend to believe, and, and you're welcome to disagree with me, that what white people would term as being attacked is simply... Uh, the sound of 80% of the country coming alive. It has never happened before. You don't know how it feels to have your opinions challenged by 80% of 80% the country, 80% of right? the country are still poor, ignorant, but, but, in the rural areas. But you areas. still feel attacked. There's only like a small percentage of, you know, of us. And we, you and guys are more that. like us, And actually. imagine that. Not even 80% of the country. And you're already feeling intimidated. Imagine when 80% of the country does come alive. Won't you feel that you're being intimidated? So the issue, I think, is not so much a matter of you are, you are, your, your rights are being, it's simply a matter that you're now having to share the pie with a lot more people and they're now they're now demanding it something that they haven't been able to do something mm-hmm. that by law it's the same amount of people absolutely it's, it's not the same amount of people and a black no There's no the same no that is incorrect city in a crowd how do you know that because i looked at the stats yesterday okay from what stats are the stats say, well as i said to you that the the black middle class has doubled so say you had 100 you got 200 give me a sense so so you're, you're saying 50 percent is that what stats say say from 93 the yeah. black middle class has only doubled so you're from a very small base mm-hmm. uh, so it's only doubled okay it's not a huge it's not like 80 percent no the, we get it so uh, Fifty percent growth, and and, uh, white unemployment has doubled at exactly almost the same rate. So, say you've got this inner circle of money-making people living in the cities. That inner circle is still the same sort of number of people. It's just that we've swapped out one black for one white. So, the 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 problem with your statistics is that you're assuming that it's the same people, right? So, you're assuming that the same person, the same white person, is the same white person twenty years later. Here's the issue: if white unemployment, so if white unemployment has doubled. What that might imply is simply that they are now having to compete for jobs that they previously did not have to compete for. So does that mean that they have been discriminated against or does that simply mean that increasingly you're having more black people entering the job market and therefore the skew that was actually artificial is now being corrected? You, you, you're giving way too much ground there. (laughs) (laughs) When you talk about, no, no, and I'm trying to get the exact stat here. Um, Furiously as I'm speaking When you talk about White unemployment In South Africa doubling yeah. Let's be clear We're from talking about We're talking about Single digit um, doubling From 4 to 8 yeah. Right I mean 
you can't even begin to say, Rory, and I know that you, 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 I mean, I share your conclusion, but you're already conceding too much. A doubling <laughs> off a base of 4% is ridiculous. Yeah. I would give my left kidney for black unemployment in this country to be 8%. Mm. So we haven't structurally changed the patterns in the labor market in this country. It yeah. remains deeply racist. Uh, Aaron, I don't know why you're shaking your head. 8% unemployment, isn't that cool for any population group to have? Compared to amongst black youth, where it's over 40%, why are you shaking your head? That can only be explained as a result of unearned privilege on the basis of, of race. If you shake your head disbelieving that this tells us something about how white privilege operates, the only possibility, which I write about uh, in the chapter on the myth of white excellence, the only way you can say race has got nothing to do in explaining 8% unemployment versus over 40% white and black is if you think that white people are genetically gifted. I can tell you why I'm shaking my head. It's not because I, I disagree with the statistics. Uh, the reason why I'm shaking my head is the, the jump that you make in your, in your conclusion and in your argument, um, saying, yes, uninvolved un white poverty is small compared to black poverty, and the problem is the labor market. The problem is, is, is uh, education. The problem is that black people are not, don't have access to schools where they can get proper education. Uh, I think the problem in this country is not so much unemployment as it is unemployability. Where people are not skilled, they don't have the necessary skill to be employed. And if they can't be employed because they don't have the skills, then you will have an unemployment problem. The problem is not saying there's too many white people, we need to get rid of them. Hold on, hold on. We can test that theory, and it's falsifiable, and it has been falsified. If two people are black and white in South Africa with the same class background, because effectively, and I'm being very generous here by attributing nuance to what Aaron is saying, what he's really saying is that there's a class problem, and if we could control for the class and the education gap in the inequities in our society, racism wouldn't exist. Well, that's nonsense, because you can get black guys who've gone to St. John's, and they can still experience institutional discrimination mm. in the corporate sector. He's uh, presupposing that education is the only factor that explains the stats racially in the labor market. That's wishful thinking. The list of contributory factors that account for the stats that we are now discussing are long. Education is one of them. What he is doing is he's latching onto education as the sole explanation because it's convenient. Because if you do that, you don't have to deal with the other contributing factors, including institutional racism in the labor market. Okay. Let's just bring everyone up to speed here. We're talking about white privilege, why it is a problem. 0861555189 is the number to dial. Uh, you can also tweet us at Rory Shabalala or at uh, Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. A lot of people are commenting on the show. It is getting hot in here, hot outside, uh, hot all around. Uh, Jordan is on the line. Uh, hello, Jordan. You have a solution, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if it's the solution, but it's the start. Jordan, why, so, aren't, you, um, why aren't you in studio? We invited Rory, you. Rory, I'm so sorry. I sent you guys an email last night. <laughs> I sent it to you it's directly. Okay. Get on, get um, on. And I, and I would have loved to be in studio, especially to meet you, Stevius, because I'd love his work. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, first of all, there's, there's a language problem here. Um, the, the word white privilege and black anger, I think just automatically gets people's back up. I don't want to be told that I'm privileged as a white. I, what I'd rather say is I have an advantage because I, I'm, in white, I'm white and I cannot deny that advantage. But then also listening to your past shows, because I did go back and listen to them, there's this back and forth lane game. Mm. 
And I think we, and even on the show now, there's still this whole sort of, this is wrong and that's wrong. But there's no moving forward. And but don't we need I, to acknowledge, Jordan, what we first no, no, don't no, no. acknowledge? She has to listen. Has to listen. Oh, I have to listen. Okay, apologies. <laughs> Sorry. Active listening. I'm working on it. Um, I do believe the whites have to go into their communities and speak to the to whites. And it's going to be a hard task. It's no easy task. And there's not going to be a change overnight. But if you could get a forum where you could actually have black people and white people who live in your community, and black people can stand up and say, this is why I'm angry. This is what makes me angry. This is how you make me feel. And um, as one of your uh, guests said, that whites just listen. We don't try to justify. We don't try and make excuses. We don't say, oh, but you this and you that. Don't bring the government into it. It's, it's an experience that ordinary South Africans are having. And it's not going to go away until we start doing these unpleasant talks with each other. Just once, Erin, uh, uh, do you agree with this? So she, she's saying, you know, let's talk and let's get, let's get this done and then we're finally going no, to no, get no, to the solution. Not, no, no, I wouldn't say let's get this done. Mm. Let's get this started. This is not an overnight fix. But listening to the past shows, there's sort of continuous back and forth, sort of bickering between each other. Your you, fault, Jordan, your fault. Where it's, Jordan, do you where feel do you feel that the reason why we're still having that conversation is because it hasn't yet been resolved in society? Do you feel completely. that the Do you feel that the broad the, the, across the whole society we're still you know we're at the point now where we can speak solutions, or are we still trying to grapple with what the problem is? Are we still trying to grapple with what the problem is? And so is this then a relevant conversation to still have? Well, the thing is, Rory, is that your show, which is brilliant, is only going out to a a certain amount of people in South Africa. And we need to broaden that spectrum. Fantastic. So you're going to retweet us and promote us so we make sure we reach more people. Jordan, Ernst. wait, wait, wait. I just, before, so I'm so sorry. Jordan, I just want to say that active listening is important and I've done a little bit of it. You're, you're the person quiet. who phoned in last week and said that don't tell me that I can emigrate because I can't emigrate. Blacks can emigrate to Africa. Am I wrong? Yes. Did I actively not listen Ooh. there? No, no. You're so right. you got quite defensive on this white privilege discussion, and now you're telling us that we need to hop to solutions. Just want to make sure, clarifying no, 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 no. my active I listening here. I didn't, get, I didn't get the censor on the white privilege. I agreed with that. What I was trying to say is that, that as I say, first of all, I, I take offense to the word white privilege. Because I had white parents and they gave birth to me, that wasn't a privilege, that's an advantage. That's why I say I think the language needs to change. I wasn't... Um, last week getting upset by what you were saying. What I did get upset with was when the one um, woman said that uh, whites can immigrate. Well, so that, that's not true. It's not true for a lot of white South Africans. You can't just immigrate, and we don't want to in any case. Jordan, you need to come into studio. We'll bring another broad-shouldered person to, to for you to meet. Uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for your contribution. I just want to get Aaron's back into the conversation. Aaron's, do you think that Afri Forum, you know, the, the, the idea that Jordan is presenting is that we need to be coming together. We need to be having these conversations. Um, but it would seem that Afri Forum represents a very, a very singular view, which is pr- pr- protecting 
the Afrikaans nation and so on. But do you think that we should be looking at this issue of white privilege not as a black problem to solve but as a societal problem to solve and that AfriForum should be jumping onto the wagon as well and figuring out how to solve it beyond just saying education because, yes, we need to wait 12 years. I feel like I'm educated. Certainly, Eusebius is educated. He's average it, it still, educated. It, it still does not address <laughs> the fact that I am still... I, I'm still subject to white privilege. So at which point then does education kick in and solve this issue mm. of, of white privilege? How are you guys participating in this in a way that you feel is constructive? Well, we believe that, that for a democracy to be a healthy democracy, yes, obviously there are certain basic things. You should have a, demo- you should have a majority rule and you should have equal rights. But also one of the criteria to ask whether democracy is healthy is to also ask whether minority communities are included and whether their rights are respected. So that is what every forum's focus is. Do you is. believe you're a minority? Yes, I do. In terms of what? In terms of my skin color, in terms of my culture, in terms of my political views. In terms of uh, economic strength? In terms of economic strength, if you're asking a minority and you want to know if you're a numeric minority, yes, white people, there are less... Less employed white people in this country than there are black employed white people. But proportionately, <laughs> no, that's true. But, but, well, but of well. course, because, because there are fewer white people exactly. in the country. But exactly. So, come on, that, that, come on. But that, that is a very, we, we, all that, that proves is, is that you can have a white skin and still say something stupid on radio. <laughs> I mean, really. Adam, I mean oh, that. Adam, that, that was an intentional comment on my part, by the way. If you let me finish that Adam, sentence. No, yeah, please I do. just want please, to understand. Please do. Yeah, yeah, please yeah. Do. The rest of the sentence is, but proportionately speaking, yes, uh, minority, uh, white, white people are in the majority in, 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 in the labor market. Uh, not just in the labor market, but economically. So, so, so owners of capital, deployers of yes. capital and so on. Yes. So, so you are a minority just in terms of numbers, right? No, not just in terms of numbers. In terms of what else? In terms of sh- social status, in terms of cultural status, in terms of political uh, political perspective, in terms of rights attributed to us. So it's actually we're actually only not a minority in terms of in terms of economic status. And economic status then gives you the right, the the, the ability to project that economic status into the other sectors of of, of society. No? no, it allows you better education than w- what the average black person would get. It it allows you to go into a safer community than what a black person would get. It allows you to then use those to get better jobs uh, where you can. It allows you to get into networks that are that that allow you better opportunities. Would you say that that's not accurate? Well, that's what I said right at the beginning of this so interview. You, so, so, so your minority then, the idea that the minority is simply based on quantities and that the economic majority does not give you the ability to project into other sectors of, of society is actually untrue. This, what you're saying now has actually been a long debate in, in, in international law and there's, there's broad conclusion that you cannot simply quantify or, or, or identify a minority or you cannot make the argument that because a minority is generally speaking financially better off, they don't qualify as a minority, or they shouldn't have. have um no, absolutely. So, so let's let's go with the idea that you're a minority, but you still hold a, a large proportion of the economic wealth of the country. Do you think that's normal? That's right. How do we resolve that? Well, you don't resolve it the way Hitler resolved it, when the Jews were in a minority in German and held most of the wealth. Why? Why do we Guys, bring please Hitler warn into me this? the next yeah. time you invite me onto your show? Why do we bring Here I am, the day after a book event, a hangover is threatening to overcome me. I've got errands saying spectacularly stupidly that because, in absolute numerical terms, 
fewer white people are employed, somehow the percentage of employed white people must obviously be lower than black people. And now on my left, I have to listen to the Hitler analogy being brought in in this conversation. And you know the rule about what happens to a discourse once Nazi analogies enter it. I think we're sitting in a very similar situation at the moment. We have oh, a ma- majority of people who are bitter and jealous and uh, want the whites to walk into the ocean. That would be who the wants white people to walk into the ocean? Remind me you of the started off so well this morning. I wanted me, to applaud wait, you. Now you're reining yourself in with <laughs> remind me stupid of the last Nazi analogy. Who was the last person that said you should jump okay, into so the ocean? Okay, so I asked my colleague, I said, what can I say, uh, another colleague, what can I say that'll, that'll help? You know, is there anything that I can say that'll fix this? She's like, No. Just just walk into the ocean. But But that's a majority. Why are you asking that question in the first place? No way. Which question? (laughs) Me and you are. You see now, things are so heated. Things are so heated that air traffic control is getting things mixed up in the studio. Apologies. (laughs) Go with your question. Why why is that the majority? Uh, The single experience of one person. I've heard it before. I have heard it quite a few times. So obviously, I mean, this, this ties into what Aaron's is saying that Jacob Zuma says something and then all of a sudden it's the majority. So I just want to understand why do we, why do we feel that the, the, the pronunciation, the, the pronouncements of one person uh, all of a sudden then become the majority view. Well, I don't have a way of polling the majority, mm. but this is the impression I get is that the solution is just just go, just go. And that isn't the solution. What is the solution? I don't think a solution is easy to come by. I've been thinking about it for days, and I don't think there is Let a solution. Let me offer you a solution. If I was to say to you, uh, you're privileged by virtue of living in a suburb and so on, why don't you move into the township? Uh, why don't we cut your salary in half and, and, and so allow another person to get a job? Would, would you say that's a solution? Mm. This country is so poor. You know, the majority of people are so poor that I don't think I could accept that. I'd probably move to a country that could support my lifestyle. Mm. So you're just not willing to let go of the privilege and that's a problem. I, don't, I certainly don't want to drop into poverty. No, 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 not poverty. I'm saying you're going to live in the township. Yeah, no, and, I do. And, and I live in a complex with a lot of... Uh, a lot of black people, mm. and uh, and that's been quite a process for all of us, you know. Why? <laughs> ah, just to start to get along. Uh, look, I'm going to be... No, you're I'm being honest. We're hearing you, know, you out. Tell us your view. Exactly. I, I find that that is quite bold in itself, because a lot of white people will go to move into complexes with white people. Why? And, and Christy, why is that bold? I don't understand. I'm, I'm really trying to understand you. I want to make sure I understand Why is it bold, bold to courageous. live with black people? It's courageous because it's not exactly what my uh, parents' generation would have necessarily accepted. So but forget your parents. How old are you? You're in your 30s. You've got your own opinion. You've got kids. Tell me why this is bold for you. Like, you know that black people aren't the scary stereotype that your parents might have portrayed 24 years ago. And yet we struggle to say hello. But uh, whose fault is that? All of us. All of us. We all struggle. We're suspicious of each other. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's no friendships being formed. There were friendships formed in high school and university. But as soon as you get into the workplace, it's like you still hang out with white people only because it's just too much effort. You get into these heated conversations, you end up being demonized, and you're actually like, I, c- I can't bother anymore. I've tried with you people, and I'm actually just going to hang out with my people. And I find, find that happening generation after generation, Jeez, and I hope it I doesn't really, happen I really again. disagree Adams. with you. I can't feel like that Do as a white person. Do you have a lot of friends that are black? I don't count my friends in terms of color. I uh, count them in terms of friendship. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Let's just... Uh, so, 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 <laughs> Aaron, Aaron I, I, I just want to understand. So, AfriForum has just uh, launched recently this I- initiative. Uh, I don't know how many billions of rands you're trying to raise uh, for the Afrikaner community. Am I, am I correct? Mm. Um, yes. So, 
I'm just trying to understand. You know, the, the issue I think for me that that's a big concern. Let's remember what the the show topic is. I've got white privilege, so what? You know, does it matter? Does it matter that uh, Andrew and I, who might maybe share a similar standard of living today, uh, Andrew still enjoys white privilege? And I'm trying to just understand whether does does Afrikaner nationalism or whatever it is that you guys are doing, do you think it feeds off the civil inferiority of black people? In the sense that it's not simply about white people ra- rising, it's about white people rising higher relative to black people. <coughs> is, is, is that what it's about? No, it's not at all about that. It's about white people, or not even about white people. We don't define ourselves in terms of race. Mm. Um, it's about a particular community, a minority community, saying we believe that our, our prosperity in this country is under attack. We believe that our rights are under attack, and we believe that, that we, can't, we can't depend on government to, to provide a solution, uh, especially to minority communities. So if we want to ensure that our children also have a future in this country, we must, we must do it ourselves. Would you say it's a privilege of your community to be able to insulate yourself from government in ways that 80% of the population can't? I think it's a privilege because of the fact that, that I, for example, went to a school that I had proper education together with other black students. And is that then rooted in your economic uh, majority? That privilege. Who, when you say your, who do you, who do you no, refer so to? No, so the Afrikaans community. Do you think that? So you have said that the Af- Afri Forum is part of an initiative that is going to create a huge fund mm. that is going to support Afrikaans people. I understand. That money is, is, is as a result of the economic majority of Afrikaans people who are able to then pool their resources in that way, right? No, no it's the other way around. Mm. I think economic strength is the result of proper education. Proper education is not the result necessarily of economic strength. And I think that... If there are, if there's a community that does not have access to proper education and they don't have um, uh, resources to to upgrade that that particular education, then that's where government has to step in. But that's where government is is not coming to the table. Eusebius, in your book, you 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 touch on various aspects of the conversation that we've had. You you specifically touch on complexes and that uh, more black people are, are are living in complexes and that is seen as a as as a sign that you know we're moving ahead and so on, and you you seem to disagree with the idea that Christie would be putting forward. Well, Christie has just proven that even those people who think that complexes are small micro examples of integration are obviously just talking rubbish because actually there is still all sorts of um, stereotypes in your head when you see a black or white person in your complex. You don't talk. You don't know each other's names. So the small little enclaves are not even microcosms of what integration might look like. You can live physically in close proximity and still live deeply apart linguistically in terms of your shared values or not shared in terms of your cultural identity, for example. So I do not believe that black and white middle-class people who live in the same complexes are role models for the rest of the country in terms of integration. Integration there simply doesn't happen. Um, but while I have the opportunity, I mean, you know, this idea that, that white people's um, prosperity is under threat, people want you to just walk into the ocean. And I'm thinking as I'm listening to, to my two fellow uh, interlocutors here responding to your questions, and I'm like, actually, if anything, black people in this country have been and continue to be Insanely magnanimous in their attitudes towards unearned white privilege that continues to exist structurally, institutionally. So for these two white people on my left and my right to feel under threat belies the empirical reality of the country we live in. 
You would have thought the angry masses would go after Erin's bottle of Chardonnay in the suburbs. They haven't come. They're not going to come. And they don't want you to go into the ocean. If anything, black people in this country are rather incredibly patient with how much they remain excluded from opportunities in the economy, opportunities in key institutions like university campuses. That is the actual reality. So to hear the two narratives here of white people's prosperity, uh, which is a very weird notion because it was actually off the back of racism, colonialism being under threat. And I think to myself, you, you people don't get it, do you? I'm done. We need to stop explaining to white people how their privilege <laughs> operates and they've got to find a white person like Andrew over here who can maybe have the conversation with them without black bodies present. But I'm really like absolutely disgusted by the lack of self-awareness by both Aaron's and the lady on my left. Let me, let me ask Adams. We have to wrap up. We have to, we have to wrap up, unfortunately, guys, but very quickly, Adams, what would it take or when would we see a day when Ernst, youth leader, right, and one day maybe the leader of AfriForum, would actually have a conversation amongst his constituents, Afrikaners, both colored and white, that about white privilege? Would that day ever come where you could have a non-confrontational day where you get your group together and you say, guys, today, and you would say it in Afrikaans, and I'm sorry, I don't want to insult your language because I can't speak it, but today... We are going to have a conversation about white privilege and what it means to be white in this country. What would it take to have that and be honest about it and say, here are our white privileges and not look for solutions about education. Just talk about what our white privileges are and say, what do we need to do next? Well, we'll, uh, we'll organize a, a meeting about white privilege. We can organize that next week. And as a matter of fact, I was just thinking that we should do that internally. But um, once again, I believe that the white privilege the question of white privilege is not really the question or the, an answer to the question of white privilege will not solve the problem. So I think it's deviating from, from what the real problems in this country okay. are. Christy, you want to talk? Yeah, I wanted to answer your question and what will it take? I'll tell you, over the last few days, I've had to really analyze my thought processes. I thought I was a liberal person. I thought I was a kind of fair person. Um, but I realized that I have a lot of uh, toxic thinking. And it took a lot of people pointing that out to me. I had to go to my respective friends and colleagues and say, where does it lie? What is white privilege? And they had to point it out to me. So... That's what I'm saying, that we are all still very much programmed by our history, by apartheid mentality. And and we all have to force ourselves through these awkward conversations to try to to try to see it. But it's not natural and it's not easy so to expect white people to see it. It is incredibly difficult. I'm trying. I'm really am trying to see it. And I'm starting to get a glimpse for it. But um, it doesn't come naturally. So. We, we, we are unfortunately out of time. Christy, um, Run Racist Run by Eusebius MacKaiser. It's in bookstores now if you can find a copy. Go read this book. I've read it. It will help you along your journey. Mr. Anthrotz, you will be organizing a white privilege amongst Afrikaners. I'm very happy to be there. I'm not an expert. I'm not an intellectual. I will just talk from a personal opinion. And if you can have it in English, I'm very happy to be there. <laughs> Rory Sang, how do we end this show? You know, here's the thing. My sense is that raising this idea of black privilege is a way of trying to turn this into negotiation when it's not. Mm. It is a way of taking us back to Cordessa where ultimately we're going to have conversation and then say, okay, you drop your black privilege and then I drop my white privilege. Is that okay? But this is non-negotiable. White privilege is a problem. And it's a problem whether or not black privilege exists. 
It is a problem that manifests itself in the economic structure of society and that then projects itself across everything else, including education, because it determines whether my kids get to go to Kuro or not. It determines who the teacher <laughs> it determines who the teacher at Kuro is and whether they're gonna be led on the bus or not. Right? So so it, it actually projects through the rest of society and so we do need to address this issue of white privilege and you know, I I, I kinda get it. From white person's perspective is sheesh, this is gonna be tough because it almost means like I have to sacrifice. Rather you sacrifice you know, there, there's a saying that if you don't the masses are getting angry and angry. If you don't lift them up, they're gonna pull you down. Mm. So so Beautiful. so 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 the issue is now what are you going to do? Are you going to allow them to pull you down or are you going to, to figure out how do we get them up? Part of that is that we're going to have to make sacrifices and that requires tough conversations. Listen, if you missed any of the show, you've got to check it out. www.cliffcentral.com. Go to Konza Show. This is a series. Episode two, why is white privilege a problem? Episode one, what is white privilege? Episode three, next week, can white privilege be used as a force for good? <laughs> You're going to love this show. You're and episode love this show. four. Episode 4 is what will white privilege look like if it goes down? White privilege must fall. White privilege must fall. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great show. Thank you so much to all our guests uh, for coming in. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to your comments. Keep them coming on Twitter. Huge amounts of conversations. Thank you. Have Let's a just day. thank our team. It's oh, yes, Lerato, yes, yes, yes. Lerato Mlebazi, Iris Lakuva, Njabulo Mkize, and then a young man by the surname of Shabalala, whose name I can't remember. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. <laughs> have a good day, everybody. Ciao, ciao. This is CliffCentral.com.